everyone welcome to the green room podcast on the handshake agency network thank you for listening happy friday um i'm gonna get straight into it and not worry about <clears throat> long intros because we're on zoom right now and i'm joined by my special guest missy higgins welcome to the podcast thank you thanks for having me thanks for coming on um minor technical difficulties to start the the podcast not ideal but i think we're good now we're good to go okay we're good how um how are you doing? Obviously, um, you, you're on today to talk about the new single "When the Machine Starts." Um, I mean, shit. The last six months, I've every musician that's come on this podcast, the first question is going to be, "What have you been doing since since lockdown happened?" And you have written a song about it. I have, yeah. I didn't intend to, but um, I think it happened in the space between lockdowns in Melbourne when there was a little bit of freedom and I could drop my kids at my parents for the first time. And it was like the first breath that I had of freedom. And I got into the car and I, and I listened to the radio and this song came on about the Rona or coronavirus. There was something, it was something in it about the virus. And I was like, Oh God, what a shit song. But that's a great idea to write a song about, you know, what it's going to be like when this is all over. And so I just had this, this idea and I went home and wrote it straight away and it and it just kind of happened in this small window that I wasn't a parent for a sec. And then, um, and then things kind of locked down again and I, um, yeah. And then I went back to kind of having zero time. So I managed to kind of pre- write it and produce it um, at home on my little um, recording setup um, and obviously get my friends to kind of play their instruments and and send them into me and um so it was great like i you know it was it was really heartwarming to, to to feel like i could actually create something without having to leave my home and that you know all all, all my muso friends were kind of wanting something to do as well so they were really happy to kind of spend their time working on the song as well um so yeah that that's like the one bit of writing that i've been doing and the rest of the time i've been kind of moving house and trying to just keep sane. <laughs> Can you recall the last time where you've been forced to do nothing and not have a tour schedule or, you know, be in an album cycle, whatever it may be? When was the last time you just kind of had the excuse to just sit on the couch? Yeah, it's it was quite a rare gift in a way. Like I just feel, I, I, I always feel like I've got a pretty jammed kind of calendar. And whenever I, whenever I look at my calendar, there's always something that's coming up. If it's not immediately, it's at least, you know, at the end of the year, I've got a big tour or there's something, but this is the first time I sat down and looked at my calendar. I was like, wow, there's nothing on it. Like there's, there's no way to project anything into the future right now. Cause we have no idea what the future's going to hold. And mm. that was, that was, um, I don't know. I just took a bit of a weight off my, my shoulder for a bit. I think, you know, I'd done a lot of touring right up until lockdown happened. So I was lucky in that regard that I'd kind of, um, 
I'd managed to get all my summer touring um, out of the way before we were forced to cancel shows. So in that way, I was really lucky. So this time would have been a bit of a down period for me anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of nice just looking at my calendar and going, wow, okay, I've just, I've just got to be in the moment right now because we, we have no control over what's happening. Yeah, you released a, a, a statement along with the song um, and you spoke a little bit about how the fact that the, the music industry in particular has probably been the hardest one hit. It'll probably be the last one to come back from this. What has your take been on, on the music industry as far as a community and as far as a government response to what's going on? Um, yeah, I think there's been, there's been a few people on um, the front line that have been fighting really hard for the music industry. And, and that's given me a lot of hope. Like um, I know it was really, it's, it's been really hard for a lot of my friends because they have really fallen through the cracks as far as the job keeper, job seeker thing goes. Um, and it's been, it's hard for them to not be, you know, properly recognised um, as having a, you know, um, a, a secure job. Um, but there have been a lot of people that have been, you know, organising online concerts and trying to rally around um, the community and trying to raise awareness on, on the fact that a lot of people's mental health is struggling. And um, I, I do feel like the whole arts community has really come together on this and are really sharing stories and, and trying to support each other as much as possible. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt that it's been really, really, really hard. And it's, um, yeah, it's definitely very hard seeing a lot more government funding going into the, you know, the, the sports um, in Australia than the music <laughs> industry. Um, but yeah, there are, there are, things happening now like the Oz Music Month in Sydney where the government is just injecting a whole lot of money into trying to get local artists um, up and running again and trying to just inject some money into that area to kind of to um, stimulate it a bit. So th there's definitely things happening, but I think that the music industry is going to have really suffered quite a lot during this time. What's your take on, on live stream concerts? I've asked a couple of people and I've had some who are super in favor of it and others who think it's the worst thing in the world. And you know, it's only there because you can't go to a, a live venue right now. And once we can, that'll die in the water. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it's, um, <laughs> it's nowhere near as good as going to a live concert. I mean, the whole idea of concerts is this sense of, um, communion, you know, that we all share, like we're all in the space together. It's like, it's like a church, you know, you, you go there and you, you experience this, this, this performer and there's something that you can only experience when you're in the room physically with a performer. Like there's a, there's something tangible in the air, you know, you, you can literally feel the vibrations of the instruments and the bass and, um, and feeling the bodies next to you and hearing people in the crowd sing along to that music. And there's that rapport as a performer too, you know, like I'm looking into the audience and I'm seeing people's faces and I'm responding to that. And, you know, we're joking with each other and people heckle and that's, that's all part of the fun. So, oh yeah, totally pales in comparison. There's no way that I would prefer to do a, um, an online concert to a, a concert in, in person, but you know, it's pretty cool that we can do that. It's a lot better than nothing. Is there, is there anything 
Well, what are the, I guess, the positives that have come from the garbage fire that is COVID? I mean, like, and I always say this as well, even this podcast, whenever I would do, and primarily like international interviews, it would mm. only be done over the phone. There's that six second lag with Zoom. I can just do this now. So that's something that I've learned that I can take post COVID. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of things that people have learned. I think there's so many people who've learned that they can actually work from home or they, they don't need to do this massive commute that they've been doing every day. At least, you know, maybe they can only, maybe they only need to go into the office two days a week or something as opposed to five. So people are spending more time with their families. They're having less time in their cars. Like there's a lot of cool things that people are learning and, and lots of people have become way more tech savvy. And like most of the world has discovered zoom now, which I, I know I had no idea existed before lockdown. Um, so yeah, it has, it's had, it's opened some doors in that way. And it's, it's, a, it's also made, like you said, it's made international collaboration and communication a, a lot easier. Hopefully people will be getting on less international flights to just go and have a meeting, you know, <laughs> like people, you know, my manager used to just hop on a plane to, to America to go and have a meeting with some guy over there. I'm like, that seems insane, but maybe, you know, maybe that won't be happening anymore, which would be good for the environment. Yeah. Are you forcing yourself to, to pull back a bit during all this craziness? Like obviously you've released this song. Are you working on more stuff or is that something that just happened organically while you were in lockdown? It just happened organically. Uh, to be honest, all of my songwriting ha- happens organically. I don't have any sort of regimented kind of schedule. I don't have a particularly good work ethic. So it's just <laughs> songs just happen when they happen. And I really don't, have any desire to write a song just for the sake of it. I want to have something to say. And then when I want, when I have something to say, it builds up in me and I, I have, it's, it's such a, I feel it's such a strong necessity to, to say it that I think, um, I don't know, the, the, I think the song ends up being much more powerful and urgent because of that. I mean, I don't want to just sit in, in a room and, and, and try and work out a, I don't know, a radio friendly love song just because, I feel like I need to be in the game. It's not really what it's about for me anymore. I just, I want to do it because of the joy of it and because I feel um, like I need to. Like it's it's just, it needs to be a necessity for me, a cathartic kind of necessity rather than just a job for the sake of a job. Yeah. Even as you, as you were saying that, I was just thinking back to one of the last times I saw you in concert I think it would have been the second last time I saw you, which was the gigantic stadium shows with Ed Sheeran. Mm. Face-to-face interaction and and having rapport with an audience. Mm. Um, Your show is, it's like, it's it's crazy that you can play in front of a thousand people, 80,000 people. You're still, you still deliver that same show and you joke around despite the fact that I'm sure you can't see what, 75,000 of those faces. Mm. (laughs) Do, Do you miss those bigger shows or has this whole thing kind of made you like want to get back into, to the smaller venues? Um, Oh, I mean, there's nothing like playing in front of 80,000 people, but um, I can't really take credit for it though. Ed Sheeran's audience, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love both kinds of shows. I, I love huge shows because you just get such a hype from playing them. I mean, that the energy of that many thousands of people in, in an audience just elevates you. But there is something really, um, really intimate about playing smaller rooms and 
it really, it fills your heart in a different way because it feels more, um, it feels like a deeper, a deeper connection. Whereas I think when you're playing to big audiences, it feels like a spectacular, like it feels like a, a show and you feel it's, it's more of a, I guess, a personal thing. Like I was a performer then I did, I went out and I did my thing. Whereas smaller shows is like, wow, I had this thing with the audience. Like it's like, it, it's something that you and the audience do together as one in a way. Can you confirm that Ed Sheeran is still your biggest fan? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine he will be. I haven't released an album in a while, so I'm sure he's got <laughs> much cooler, more, uh, I don't know. But he, he's, he's into hip-hop and stuff, isn't he? Like yeah. he's, he's so up with the latest music and the latest cool artists. I, I mean, I don't know if you YouTube yourself a lot, but when, if you type in Ed Sheeran, Missy Higgins, when he talks mm. to you, he like is so giddy. He's like a complete fanboy. Uh, it's so... It's so cool. I mean, I'm such a fan of his too, but he was, he was, I mean, that's the thing about the internet. Nothing ever leaves, does it? It's like oh. it, this, this clip from when he was 15 or something saying that he loved me. Um, I almost feel sorry for him because he's never going to be able to escape that now. It's funny you say that because I saw you on TV yesterday and it was the clip of you crash tackling David Hasselhoff at the Aries. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to escape that. That was pretty cool though. I'm just glad I didn't flash my bum to the audience. Cause then I would never be able to live that down for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was my, my first thought when I did it, I was like, Oh my God, did my, did my dress just lift up? Did I just flash my bum to the whole world? I don't know if maybe like the first row could have seen anything. I doubt it. Yeah. No one took them. Well, not as many people had um, phone cameras back in the day. So maybe <laughs> I mean, I was very lucky in that respect. How many, how many did you win that night? I remember that was just a stupid amount of awards in one go. Yeah, I can't remember, maybe four or something. Right. Um, it was, I've got the worst memory in the world, so I don't know. Mum's got my arias oh, in bless her, her lounge room. Yeah, we should ask Great. her, she'll know. Well, I'll get on. I'll get on Zoom with her right after this. <laughs> yeah. Missy Higgins podcast for it. Um, what was your 2020 looking like? let's say back in January, did you have plans, tours, uh, wanting to write? Um, well, like I said, I did, I did quite a bit of touring at the beginning of the year, right before this all happened. So I jammed in a fair amount of shows. Um, so there was like, there was maybe four festival shows that I would have had during this time. Um, so yeah, I didn't have to cancel, like I didn't, I know friends that had to cancel whole tours, you know, so I was so lucky in that respect. Um, I think there probably would have been a whole lot of summer tours coming up this month and in December that, that would have happened if this wasn't going on, mm-hmm. um, but they hadn't kind of been booked yet. But I am going to be doing festival shows next year. They've all kind of been moved to next year, so hopefully you know, we'll just make up for what we lost this year. There wasn't that much going on for me. I mean, I've, we've, we've moved house and I'm kind of in between albums. I probably just would have been trying to write in any little bits of spare time that I had. Yeah. You've got a show in, I want to say a week or two in Albury. A couple of weeks. Yeah. In Albury. Yeah. Is that the first show you've done in a while? A genuine hand to God live show in. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And I've got two. There's there's a matinee and a evening show. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really nervous because I haven't sung in so long, and I don't know how my voice is going to last. I'm going to have to start really working my voice. I'm going to have to start exercising it before I get there. I'm not going to last. 
well, this, I'm very excited about this that. film clip you did. Was this done in your home? Yes, before we moved house. So that was that's now our right. old house. But yeah, that was done um, during lockdown with a with just a two person crew, um, all masked up in my house. And it, my friend Natasha Pincus, who um, directed my film clip for Unashamed Desire and Everyone's Waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's a good friend of mine, and we've collabed on heaps of things. So yeah, it was super fun and easy and yeah just a really good way to pass a bit of time during lockdown when you sell that house do you have to tell the new owners hey just by the way your study might be seen by like tens of thousands of people in a couple of months time just an fyi no we didn't tell them that (laughs) um but they they did find out it was my house and and uh they thought it was pretty cool but i yeah i I don't think they'd mind. Surely it would be a good dinner party story, right? It should be, right? You're not going to go, this was not on the contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you, I mean, as, as well as playing shows, are you planning on getting out to see shows? Because obviously being in Melbourne, um, you guys have had some normality come back in in the last week. Do you have any plans to do anything outside of performing? Well, I don't, as far as I know, I don't think there's any gigs going on yet. So there's, or theatre or or even kind of movies. So yep. there's not too much we can do right now, just cafes and restaurants. Um, but then apparently they're really hard to get into because you've got to book them like a week ahead because everyone wants to do it. So, um, nah, there's not much go- <laughs> there's not much going on. I mean, I'm a bit of a homebody anyway, so I, I don't have too much desire to, to, to go to, to anything at the moment. I'm so used to kind of being locked down now i think i'm like one of those rats that's just been trained to <laughs> that that its cage is its only world it, so yeah. it'll, it'll take a while to get used to do you feel settled now with with the lockdown or at least the the hard lockdown passing like i'm looking up slightly to my left and i've got the u.s election going on things yeah. still seem quite frantic in such a crazy time yeah i mean my song is about um it's kind of like a reminder to myself to remember the lessons that I've learned during lockdown. So I feel like the default will be just going back to the crazy rat race that is life. Um, whereas I feel like during this whole thing, I've really learned to just stand still for a bit and not project too much and um, not think outside too much outside my bubble because it's nothing that I can control. So I'm really hoping that I hold on to a little bit of that um, and also kind of remember um, what my what my priorities are in life and and my priorities are my family and um, my community and what's happening now and it's yeah it's all about what you can control and what you can't and I'm gonna try and remember that um, that the only thing we can really do is kind of um, I guess look after our own little bubble and our own little patch of grass and um, there's not too much we can do outside of that as far as you know you can affect the world positively with how you live basically mm. um, so I'm going to try and remember that and try not to kind of just start getting crazy and 
let my monkey brain back in. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it was, I forget who told me, like the second that you start saying everything's fucked is when mm. that's when your brain goes, oh, oh my God, everything is fucked. And that's when everything starts unraveling. So I think it's important. Yeah. I feel like the, the, our brains are not wired to be able to cope with the current speed of the world. And there's so much input that we, that we experience every day. I, I, I constantly have this feeling of like, Oh, I'm not designed for this. <laughs> I'm not designed for this kind of processing, this speed of processing. And I just, I feel like that's what everybody's trying to cope with in every single day. And, and then kids are being born into that into way too much stimulus for their little brains. So it's a, it's a daily challenge to try and kind of make your world small enough so that you can, you can process it at the speed that your, that your brain would naturally process it at. Cause you know, we haven't really been around that long mm. and our, our brains are still pretty primitive. So I don't know. I'm, I want to spend more time amongst the trees looking at birds and sitting <laughs> on grass. That's, well, my, I mean, I have, that's I have, my goal. <laughs> I have to ask the question anyway, with these shows coming up um, and, you know, ideally things are going to be going back to normal in early 2021. Do you plan on writing more? Do you plan on releasing new music? Or again, are you kind of in this sphere now where you're just taking a step back? I, I definitely plan to write. Yeah. I mean, I, I always plan to write. I don't, um, it's it's kind of a loose plan though. Like it's, it's a, I don't have a plan. Like I'm going to have an album out in six months or I'm going to write this many songs in this amount of time. I just have, I just know that it's what, what I do and I'm, I'm never going to, I don't think I'm ever going to quit music or writing. It's just a matter of when it, when it will naturally come. And I've got young kids, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, be going away on massive writing retreats or, or locking myself away for, for months at a time, which is what I used to do. Mm. Um, I used to just travel around the world and like sleep on people's couches and house sit for anybody and just throw myself outside my comfort zone. That's what I used to do to write to, in order to get inspired. So yeah. I can't do that anymore. It's, it's different stuff that inspires me. It's, um, it's, it's, looking at the world that I've brought my kids into and processing um, the responsibility of that. That's kind of what, that's what tends to make it into my songs these days. So yeah, I'm building a studio as we speak and I definitely intend to write. I just, are you in that studio right now? I'm not. I'm in uh, the room that we've put all the junk Good. <laughs> that room I'm in. The Good. junk room. I was going to yeah. ask that actually, like, at this point in your career, do you get to have that complete autonomy with your writing, as far as, you know, do you, do you still have meetings with management or label? And they're like, great, Missy, we need this album out by June, 2021. Do you now get to go, no, I, you, I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. To be honest, I've pretty much always had that relationship with my, my manager and my record company. Right. Um, that's kind of why I signed with, with them because they were very much like, you know, we want to follow your lead. Um, we, you know, because, I think they understand the nature of the artistic mind. And that is that, you know, if you try to, if you try to make it go faster or squeeze it into a box, it's just going to, it's going to lose all of its kind of color and inspiration and you're, you're going to take the life out of it. So um, no, they've always been very much like, you know, when you have something to say, we're, we're here to hear it. And um, you know, they, they send me little, you know, um, 
little messages of inspiration every now and then or little ideas here and there, but they know that if I'm not ready, I'm just not going to do it. So uh, historically I've just gone through big down periods of just not, not, writing anything and then all of a sudden I'd be like I need to make an album I want to collaborate with blah 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 and I've got this idea and that idea like it just comes in waves for me and I've just learned that I have to um have to trust that that process yeah well Missy thank you so much for coming on um congratulations on the song it'll be awesome to see you on the stage in a couple of weeks um and hopefully thank we you. in 2021 yes hopefully you do thank you nice thank to you, chat it. see ya Thank you, Missy Higgins, for coming on this week's podcast. The track is called When the Machine Starts. It is out everywhere right now. Check it out. And if you like what you heard today, head over to thepodcast.com.au for more episodes of the Green Room podcast. Make sure you review and subscribe, and we'll talk next week. See you then.